Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's the first day NFL teams can designate franchise player. The Bucks haven't used a franchise tag on a player since Connor Barth way back in like 2012. Will this year be any different? And the Tampa Bay Lightning get another stellar performance by Andre Vasilevsky. Two first-period goals by Nikita Kucherov, a couple by Braden Point in their win over Columbus. Meanwhile, the Rays' full squad of players reported on Monday. We have an interview with Rays' third baseman Matt Duffy, who came back, of course, from that Achilles injury last year. Had a great first half, but really struggled with his stamina in the second half. We'll tell you what he has done to prepare for 2019. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the uh, cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, I know you guys have a choice of AC companies. Let me tell you, Millionaire is currently offering the best deal, 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. All right, Steve, we'll get to the uh, lightning and their total domination with Nikita Kucherov in just a second. Uh, as we're doing this podcast, they're up five to nothing and counting in the third period. Unbelievable night for Kucherov with five points a couple of goals and three assists. But uh, let's start uh, a little bit here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Today is the first day that NFL teams uh, can designate franchise or transition players. Now, what, what is a franchise player? Well, that's when um, – That's Jameis Winston, correct? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you could say that. But in terms of the designation, <laughs> it's it's a free agent designation. Like Donovan Smith is going to become a free agent or has the ability to be one uh, when the new league year starts on March 13th. So – Basically, uh, he's played four seasons. He doesn't have a contract for next year. Uh, so the Bucks are going to try to sign him to a contract extension. But what they can do, uh, if they're unable to, to do that by March 5th, which is the last day to designate a franchise player, they can say, okay, he's our franchise player. And what that means is you're going to guarantee Donovan Smith the average salary of the top five players at his position, which is left tackle. So left tackle being one of the, or the highest paid offensive line position uh, generally, and the average, I think, of the top five players at that position would be around $14 million on a one-year deal. It's only a one-year deal. That's if he, if he elects to you know, sign the franchise tag. He can't go anywhere else. Now, a team could sign him to an offer sheet, but they'd have to give you two number one picks. So that's pretty prohibitive. Um, that generally doesn't happen, so most teams leave those franchise players alone. So why would they do that? Well, Donovan Smith, like I said, one of the one of the three big-time free agents that they're looking at, along with Adam Humphreys, of course, Quan Alexander. We'll get into their situations in a minute. But basically, if, if Donovan Smith were out there uh, on the free agent market, say nothing happens and he gets to March 13th, he's going to be the number one left tackle available. And so he's going to be looking at 
a pretty big salary anyway, probably somewhere in the 12 to $13 million average range uh, at least, and probably 30-something million dollars maybe guaranteed. So if you were trying to find a left tackle, you'd start with your own. I mean, he's the best one available. So you're not going to go into free agency. You can talk about the draft and certainly, you know, guys like Jonah Williams from Alabama and some others might be in the top five, but they need more than one player on that offensive line. So um, it, it's pretty well known that the Bucks are going to let – you know, not going to let Donovan Smith out of Tampa Bay. But in the meantime, the, the negotiations really will get underway in earnest when they go to Indianapolis to the combine, the scouting combine. And that's where Mike Greenberg and Jason Light will sit down with, with all the agents of their own free agents and try to come to some agreements. So there, there won't be any designation uh, today, which is the first day you can name a franchise player. But if for some reason they're unable to reach a deal by March 5th, then you can expect the Bucks will franchise him. I don't. I don't think my information is there's no way he's getting out of here uh, without a franchise tag. That's sort of the way it seems to be headed. But again, they'll try to reach a uh, deal with him. They don't have a ton of money under the salary cap right now. Uh, remember, uh, they just let go of Vinnie Curry, and that saved them eight million dollars on the salary cap. I think over the cap has dot com has them listed around fifteen sixteen million dollars, and that does not include probably some money they saved on, on incentives. And, and, of course, the salary cap will go up to $191 million, probably about uh, 6% over last year. So all that will help the Bucks, But they've got a lot to do. I wrote a story online. You can read it on TampaBay.com about, about this decision and about you know, why they would do that. The Bucks haven't used their franchise tag much uh, over the years. It's the first time it was available in 1993. They used it on Paul Gruber. It's been 26 years uh, that they've had this tag since then, and the Bucks have used it only three other times, the last time being in 2012 when they used it on kicker Connor Barth, and that was because um, you know he was due, I think, around $2.5, $3 million. wasn't a big contract, but they didn't want him out of here. He had done a good job for him, uh, so they, they went ahead and used it. And then they signed him, I think, to a long-term deal, if I'm not mistaken, but I'd have to go back and, and look that up. So that's sort of where we're at right now with, with respect to Donovan Smith. They could opt to use it on other players, but they won't because the other two big free agents for them, of course, is receiver Adam Humphreys and linebacker Quan Alexander, both scheduled to become free agents. A year ago, it was a year ago at this time, Humphreys uh, was somebody that they talked to with his agents, and it's believed that he was seeking at that time $8 million a year. And he was going to be at least their third, maybe their fourth receiver. That's how he started the season. And he wanted $8 million then. Well, then he went out and as, you know, playing out his contract, his rookie deal, and he was a, a guy that came on as a sign-on in a rookie minicamp, so wasn't drafted. But he goes out and has 71 receptions and five touchdowns, and those are career numbers for him. And so he's looking to get paid. We know the Patriots need receivers. The Colts need receivers. There's a lot of teams that would be interested in Adam Humphreys. So he's going to get a pretty big payday, and it's just a question of what the value is and if the Bucks think they can have that with all their other needs that they have on the offensive and the defensive line. And then there's Quan Alexander, which is a harder, kind of a harder case if you really think about it. He's coming off an ACL. He tore his left uh, ACL in his knee against the Cleveland Browns a year ago in October. Uh, not, not quite a year ago, a few months ago, actually. But in all the rehab photos I've seen, you know, Quan is, uh, is, is a hard worker, uh, he's doing incredible things. I saw him doing squats on that knee, uh, leg presses, all kinds of stuff, but still has a ways to go. And so, unfortunately for him, the injury is the worst timing at all because he could have been a free agent and probably would have been looking at around $10 million a year, maybe $30 million guaranteed or something like that. But instead, 
it only takes one team, and there might be a team that says, "Hey, I'm fine. I, I'm I'm confident." You know, guys come back from ACLs all the time now. It's a little like Tommy John surgery almost for baseball. It seems very common injury and one that uh, the guys recover from. So maybe there's a team out there that's willing to do a long-term deal with them despite the ACL, but you might be looking at something that's shorter term. And if he wants to stay with the Bucks, I would think they'd have an interest in him doing that, especially if you're going to a 3-4 and you need you need those linebackers. So a lot of decisions that are going to be uh, you know kind of forthcoming, and, and much of that will be get done at the NFL Combine. If I had to guess, if I was just making book on it right now, Steve, I would say that that you know Donovan Smith probably gets a long-term deal uh, simply because it's in his best interest. He could play under the franchise tag and just go one year, year at a time. I think the Bucks would be comfortable with that. And then I think that uh, probably more Quan Alexander is more likely to sign here under some kind of an abbreviated deal than, than Adam Humphreys. I just think Adam Humphreys is going to get too much money. And I don't see, you know, with the receivers they have, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, we don't know about Deshaun Jackson just yet. They, you know, they drafted Justin Watson a year ago. And, and of course, receivers are one of those positions. I mean, they found Adam, uh, you know, when they were in a rookie tryout camp. So that, that's just sort of the way I handicap it right now. Yeah, I think, you know, with Adam Humphreys, is, is you just look at the money that the Bucks have tied up into receivers and tight mm-hmm. ends. Um, you know, granted, Deshaun Jackson most likely will not be part of that while he's got $10 million now on the books. But, sure, that could come off. But Mike Evans is around $20 million a year. Cameron Bray. $20 million this year. You make That's exactly a good point. He's a, he is a large percentage of their salary cap. Yeah, and that's, you know, and then you look at Cameron Bray's contract. Yes. And, and going forward, O.J. Howard's going to need to get paid. That's and, right. And others that, you know, I, I think they definitely want Adam Humphreys back. They'd love to have him back, but – the number's most likely going to be too high when they have other needs on this team they have to address. Yeah, and there'll be lots of opportunity for Adam Humphreys because obviously teams need more than one receiver, and he's a guy that's proven in this league. A lot of people look at him and say, well, you know, White's a lot receiver. Maybe he'll go to New England, and that's possible. They, New England is probably going to lose three of their receivers to free agency that I don't know they're all that hot about, about trying to resign. I mean, obviously they went out and made the deal for Josh Gordon. Of course, that didn't work out because of his drug problem, but that's how – sort of where they sat and they still managed to win a Super Bowl with Julian Edelman so go figure but uh, next year you know they, they might not have Gronk so that's a team that's going to be in the market for wide receivers as is Indianapolis and, and San Francisco and a bunch of others so we'll see where all that goes but don't expect any franchise tags today I would definitely uh, keep an eye on it on March 5th especially if Donovan Smith is not signed so uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm telling you, Steve, these guys are on such a roll right now, and it's it's unbelievable to watch them play. They go into Columbus, and, of course, Andre Vasilevsky coming off back-to-back shutouts. And as we uh, do this podcast, they're sort of midway through the third period, and he's looking at shutout number three right now. But they <laughs> before the game, John Tortorella, of course, who knows the Lightning well and, 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 and has played them many times with many teams, different teams, the Rangers and others, told his team, look, we're not going to sit back. We're bringing a fight to them. You know, the way, the way you have to approach playing Tampa Bay is, you know, you don't wait for them to beat you. You come after them. And they did. I mean, Columbus came out flying like this was game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, they were just humming. And it, it was something to see. They dominated the first period. I think they got 19 shots on goal. Of course, Vasilevsky was remarkable, as he always is. But the lighting was completely outplayed in that first period except that Columbus made two mistakes, two, and they both ended up in the back of the net, courtesy of Nikita Kucherov, 
who is just right now playing as well as anyone in the NHL. He has, well, he had another five-point night, which is the second career five-point night. He had one against Edmonton earlier this season. He's, mm. At this point, he set the Lightning uh, season high in assist at 70. The previous record was 68. He's got that through Goodness. 60 games. He's at 99 I mean, points on the season through game 60, assuming he doesn't wow. score any more or get any more points. Well, yeah, tonight. in the next couple of minutes, yeah, we'll let you know. And if you're other teams, I wouldn't really listen to John Tortorella on how to play the Lightning, considering that – in the almost three full games, they've been outscored seventeen to two this season by the Lightning. <laughs> Eight to two wow. in the first month, and then four nothing in January, and now it's five nothing tonight. Wasn't it fifteen minutes ago that he was in a battle for the for the points lead, and now he has a ten point lead? I think on Patrick Kane. <laughs> uh, not a battle. Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid tied him uh, that Saturday right. night against Pittsburgh. That's right, and, and he has just then, left them in the tear. dust. He was the number one oh, star goodness. of the week in the NHL this past week. And now he's had a five-point night, two goals, three assists. And, you know, he, heck, you might put an empty netter in or something here come near the end. Although 5 nothing, uh, I guess you're not going to get an empty netter. But Yeah, maybe not. But uh, they're certainly looking to still score uh, as, as they continue to play here in the third period. Um, it was funny because at the, end of, uh, at the end of the second, they get their third goal because they get, end up with a five-on-three. And so they, they put that away. Uh, I believe that was Stamkos uh, on one of his patented. Yeah, it was about uh, like six seconds into that thing. Yeah, slap shots <laughs> from, the, from the point. Uh, and, then, uh, and then from the circle. And then uh, they, start the, they start the third period, and off the faceoff, uh, Braden Point comes right down the middle of the ice as he's wont to do. And you made a great point on that one, that the defense was probably looking for a pass there. Well, the lightning on the, the power play are very predictable in how they try to enter the zone. They like that drop mm-hmm. pass back, and then they kind of sure. go up the center and pass to the wing, and that's how they bring mm-hmm. the, the, the puck up the ice. Braden Point just took it straight up the ice, and Columbus didn't know how to react. And, right. and part of it may have been the beginning of a period, too, but they weren't expecting that. Nope. And it completely took them off guard and got right by Corpusala. Yeah, he ripped it, and uh, they score, and then Braden Point scores again just seconds later for his second goal of the night. So... Uh, as uh, with 7.52 as we're doing this podcast, of course it's 5 nothing. You guys would know the score by now. But um, just another remarkable night by, by Vasilevsky, who there's no question now that this is, uh, by almost any measurement, the greatest goaltender on the planet right now, the way, he is, the way he has established himself and the way he's playing. Hard to argue, especially when you look at, you know, just the – I mean, and the Lightning, granted, have a great team in front of him. But, you know, for one, they've taken the most uh, minor penalties in hockey this season. Saw that stat mm-hmm. on NBC tonight, and just some of the saves—the saves he makes every night. I mean, he does. And, he, and you rarely give up one where you go, "Oh, he wants that one back." The goals mm-hmm. that get by him, you earn. Right. He's—he doesn't give up softies. No. And he almost made a, a critical mistake. You know, a, if he does, if he is vulnerable, sometimes he's trying to play the puck behind his net. Um, he did that tonight. Mm-hmm. He got caught out of position, and then made an incredible. <laughs> An incredible move to get back into position, and uh, of course a kick save with his pad, and it was just uh, remarkable. So uh, he's certainly on a roll, and and as is the entire Lightning team. Things slowed down after that first period. I mean, you could almost see the will come out of Columbus. Is like we can't play much better. I mean, there was no space, there was no uh, time for these guys to do much, and and like I said, they completely dominated the first period with, I think it was eighteen or nineteen shots, and yet two of them ended up in the back of their neck because. That's how well Kucherov is playing. And he beat one with a backhand, and the other one went to five hole. I mean, he's just been so good. It's fun to watch these guys. Victor Hedman, by the way, went out of the game. 
uh, I saw an interview with John Cooper after I think it was the second period or thereabouts, and uh, Cooper seemed to indicate that he didn't think it was anything very serious. But we'll have to wait and check on that because you certainly don't want to lose a guy like Victor Hedman. No, that's I mean, you know, look, you got twenty some, you got twenty two games left after tonight. The, the biggest thing you want for the Lightning is not to get injured. Right. You want to start, you know, make sure you're playing the right way and, and everyone's tuning up for the playoffs. But, you know, long-term injuries is what can hurt this team. Um, and, you know, yeah. you, saw, you saw Andre Vasilevsky kind of get bull rushed tonight, although he was kind of – the player was shoved – Anderson was shoved into him a little bit. That was scary, though. But, you know, yeah. those are the things you don't want to see happen in the, in the final 22 games. Hopefully, Hedman, it's a minor injury. Look, the other good thing about the Lightning is Victor Hedman gets hurt in the first period. We're not sure what it is, but you don't have to bring him back. If they lose, right. if they lose against Columbus on a – a Monday night, it's not the end of the world. You're not fighting sure. for every point in the playoffs. He's a little dinged up. Let him sit. You're playing again tomorrow night. Maybe he plays tomorrow night. Maybe you rest him again tomorrow and wait till Thursday to bring him back. You know, you don't have to rush these guys back. We talked about that when Strawman was out. Um, mm-hmm. Heck, you didn't even have to rush Andre Vasilevsky back because of how well Louis Domingue was playing when, when Vasilevsky was hurt. That's true. That's one of the and great Dem- things about the depth on this team and, and the points lead they've built up and how good they are is – you know, if a guy's hurt, wait till he's 100% to come back. Yeah, they had to finish the game with five defensemen. That made it a little tough. They'll go to Philadelphia tonight. Louis Domingue will be in the net in the back-to-back, so uh, they'll see if he can keep his success going. But uh, just another great, great night for the Tampa Bay Lightning as uh, they're polishing off uh, Columbus here and John Tortorella and all his best plans. Now 0-3 against the Lightning this, this year. <laughs> so didn't exactly figure that one out, did he? We had a chance uh, the other day. Of course, the Rays uh, had their first full squad workout on Monday, and they had, I think, 66 players, I want to say, in camp, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, everybody was there. Got a chance to see Mark Tompkins. You see him tweet out uh, the gun show. <laughs> what, what's going on? They, I, these are, this is not a team you suddenly want to uh, brawl with, right? Uh, no, we got our enforcer. I mean, we've talked about the Lightning trying to get more physical. The Rays got theirs. Oh, Yandy my. Andy Diaz. Those arms, wow. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, we got, they got a picture of his arms, and uh, they are spectacular. They it's kind of like that, that Geico guy, commercial or the, no, whatever. What, with the, the calves. With the calves. That is, yeah. I think yeah. that is Geico. Yeah, the guy's Geico bicycle. Or, or Liberty or Mutual or one of those. It's one of those insurance yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My calves yeah, are yeah. custom, too. That's <laughs> right. It's, he's jacked up, man. I find it hard to believe he can only hit 15 home runs. They said, what do you expect? Ah, they're thinking maybe 15 out of them or something. I'm th- and, and I know he hasn't been a home run hitter, although the ball, I guess, comes off as bad as – Launch angle. You know, he's got to work on launch angle. He's got to work on the launch angle. But if he does that, he's certainly, he certainly got the pipes for it, man. He's got, uh, he's got huge, huge arms. So it was another day, uh, you know, another step towards the start of the, the spring training games, which are on Friday. I think they start playing games. And so uh, we're almost – baseball is almost here. You know, look, we've talked about this Rays team and the expectations. That seems to be the theme. That seems to be the story in spring training, the early part of it anyway. I read a story uh, somewhere, and and we've talked about this. In fact, uh, we'll have an interview, I think, coming up in in, in a few days with Ozzie Timmons. We talked about him. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier, of course, his biggest thing now is that you you can't get him through a 162 game season. I mean, you know, he is in fact that guy, right, who is who's had injuries and you can't deny that he is at this point somebody that you look at and say, "Well, you're injury prone." And we know his style of play, we know how valuable he is as a center fielder and he's not going to change necessarily the way he plays, although I think in some instances that might be a good idea. And he's not going out there to try to get hurt obviously, but the head first slides, 
he's had some things go against him, you know, ligament tears in his thumb and calf muscles and different things that, that have occurred on, on, on slides and hustle plays and dives in the outfield and wrist injuries and things like that. So that will occur. But one of the things, you know, the big goal for Kevin is just to stay, stay healthy throughout the season and try to play as many games as he can. And if he can do that, you know, the, the analytics show that they're a much better baseball team, obviously, because of the wins against replacement and things like this. One of the things that might help him, Steve, though, is that he's got really good corner outfielders now. And I'm not sure that was always the case with Kiermaier, especially the last few years. They've run a lot of guys out in the outfield, you know, right field to left field, whether it was Malik Smith, you know, who could certainly run but wasn't, wasn't the surest handed guy in the world. And so, you know, if Austin Meadows and Tommy Pham ended up being their corner outfitters primarily, there'll be less ground for Kevin Kiermaier that he has to cover out there, I think. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And that's, you know, Nazi Timmons told us, you've got to trust your corner outfielders. Sure. And, you know, but the other thing is, you know, he also talked about with Joey Wendell playing some outfield and others is you got Kevin Kiermaier there in center field. It makes it easier for them to transition there, too. It does. It absolutely does. But, yeah, with uh, Kiermaier, yeah. you need him healthy. You know, this team is built on pitching and defense still. Mm-hmm. And defensively, they are a much better team when he's on the field. So if that means making one less diving catch because it's, it's too risky or, you know, too, you're laying out too. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Much too injury prone on that one. Then let the ball drop. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, we always talk about making smart decisions. Sure. You know, quarterbacks, it's, you know, slide. But there are times you need to go ahead and take the hit because you got to get the first down. But it's understanding that, that position or sometimes you're throwing the ball. You know, it's, yeah, it's I, okay, in the, first, in the first quarter, I don't need to force that throw in. If I'm down the right. score late in the fourth, I'm going to. That's right. It, it's it's situational I, for Kevin Kiermaier, too, on some of those plays where he can, could hurt himself. They're bang bang, and I mean he's always going to go hard to the wall. He's gonna he's gonna crash into some walls at times, and he's gonna die for some baseballs. But you're exactly right. I think that there comes a point where you just have to be. You can play hard, but you can play smart and hard. You know, like you have to know the situation. Your goal. You're much more valuable to their baseball team if you're able to play. You know, all hundred and not you're not gonna play 162 games, but if you're available for them for 162 games of the year. Uh, and and so if you understand that going in, what your what your value to the team is, there's no singular play or singular single game that that's going to you know somehow make up for you being out 60 games. I mean, so you know whatever that whatever that play is, but it happens so fast, and it's not like something that you can pull back from. This is the way he's always played. This is what got him drafted. This is what got him to the big leagues. I mean, he was like a 30 something round pick. And so it's it's been his hustle. You know, he plays the song every day. I'm hustling, hustling. But do you have to slide into first base? Do you have to dive head first? You know, there are all kinds of adjustments you can make as you as you play this game. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because you're an instinctive player and this is sort of what you have done. But by the same token, if you understand that your biggest, you know, the old, uh, you know, the the best ability is availability kind of thing, 
that's what Kevin Kiermaier has to be concerned with a little bit. So he says he feels great. Uh, look, he's a new dad now. He worked really hard in the offseason, did a lot of things with the University of Tampa and their baseball team. So hopefully, you know, he'll uh, be able to stay healthy, healthy and we'll see how, how many games he can play this year. But if he does, they're a much, much, much better baseball team. So lots of race talk coming up, of course. Uh, we're going to have interviews uh, throughout the next couple weeks. Um, we'll talk about Matt Duffy here in just a moment, but uh, also have a chance to talk to Charlie Morton, of course, and the pitching coach Kyle Snyder, and also, as I mentioned, Ozzie Timmons, who does more than just coach first base. He's also their base running coach and sort of their assistant batting coach as well. So we'll have those for you as the Rays make their way to the first spring, spring training game, which is going to be uh, this Friday, I believe. So lots to go there. Okay, I mentioned uh, just a minute ago, Matt Duffy, and we did have a chance to talk to these guys and Matt at Rays Fan Fest. Mark Tompkin was there with us of the Tampa Bay Times, the beat writer, and so he uh, sat down with us as well. And and the interesting thing about Duffy was, of course, you know, they get him from the Giants, and, you know, right away, you know, he came he came here, he had a little bit of a, of a foot problem, and then, of course, the Achilles became a bigger problem, and he missed, the, missed almost the whole season. Uh, but he came back off that injury, and then, you know, Last year, I mean, his first half really could not have gone much better. Uh, he was he was really good and didn't have a lot of power, but he got into a groove hitting the ball, and it turned out that, uh, you know, his body just wore down. I mean, you know, that is an injury that is not great to come back from, and I think, you know, from a weight standpoint, how much rehab he had to do, his strength wasn't quite what it needed to be for a 162-game season, and if you look at his numbers – it's a precipitous fall off. I mean, the second half on, on a uh, on a chart is just you know, it's arrow down after really the All Star break. So, uh, what Matt Duffy did in the off season was work on you know on strengthening his lower half in particular. But he put on he put on weight. I think I read where he put on as much as like twenty three pounds, if that's can be imagined. But he looks great. Anyway, we had a chance to sit down and talk to uh, Matt about the expectations that the Rays have. And what he thinks he can do uh, after, uh, you know, finally having an offseason where he can just concentrate on getting strong and getting ready to play 162 games. All right, Matt Duffy joins us now, third baseman of the Rays. Matt, uh, welcome back, I guess I would say, to Rays Fan Fest. You've been through a few of these. Um, do, the, do the juices start flowing a little bit this time of year? I mean, I know you're able to interact with the fans a little bit. Just what, what is this? anticipation before spring training like for you uh juices have been flowing for a while i think uh after a few days off after last year with the excitement that we had especially you know the yeah. last half of the year um i you know i i couldn't have been i've never been more excited to get my workouts going and yeah. then once you get into that rhythm then it's like all right i'm, I'm ready to get at it now and uh, you know this kind of kicks it all off yeah Tell us about what, what you've done this offseason because in, in the past, of course, you've had to try to you know rehab and, and get, get through the Achilles. And, of course, last year, 500 at-bats. You had to feel great about the, the ability to finish and, and, and actually endure a complete season, especially the one you had batting almost 300. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, did, I did spend a lot of time on the Achilles the previous offseasons. Um, this past year is just finally the, the first offseason in a few years where I've been able to really – you know, get after it the way I want to, right. um, and really spent off season trying to gain as much strength as possible. Um, with that, as much flexibility, you don't want to just gain a bunch of strength right. and get all bound up. So, yeah. um, it was really about allowing my body to handle the entire season 
from start to finish and not, I mean, I felt like I really hit a wall about halfway sure. through the point last year. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I think that obviously showed and um, it was kind of got to the point where I couldn't really handle three, four days in a row without needing a day off. Um, you know, so that was kind of my focus on the off season um, to put on some weight and strength and, and added flexibility to just be able to handle the grind every day. Now, I mean, Rick and I spent a lot of time in the gym, as you can tell. But, uh, <laughs> Especially what, Mark. What was that workout routine like? I mean, were you were you pushing tires up up mountains, or what were you doing? Uh, no, I was at a at a facility called Exos in Arizona. Um, used to be called API for yep. a few years, and they've been around for a while. They have a lot of uh, elite athletes training there, and it's an awesome atmosphere to be around because it's just a bunch of people who are all getting after it every day. Um, and it was five days a week. Uh, from about 9 a.m. until 1 or 2 o'clock, um, you know, and, and as the off-season progressed, it it was more weight room oriented at the beginning, and then, you know, the I guess the pendulum kind of shifts a little bit further towards the baseball side at the end of the off-season. Um, got out here a week ago so I could get even more onto a field, and, um, you know, I think if you're just hammering out the weight room all the way up until spring training, then you're probably a little behind on the baseball side, so right. you try to you know, gradually ease it towards more baseball after the new year. So mo- mostly like weight, like dead weight lifting or heavy weights or a lot of machine work or I, um, what, would, what would you say a normal workout day would be like? Kind of everything really. So the first hour was all soft tissue and mobility focused. Um, and then after that was uh, outside stuff, agility, speed work, med ball uh, for power. And then from there you go into the weight room. The actual weight room work was only about 40 minutes of the whole thing. Um, it was pretty intense, though, for that 40 minutes. And, you know, they, they did an awesome job. You don't really understand or know where the warm-up ends and where the workout begins, which I think is a good thing. You know, that's a sign of a good warm-up. Um, and that whole time, you're working so much on mobility that, um, you know, I feel more mobile and stronger. And I think that's, you know, that was my goal for the offseason. So, so I think it's a lot of other athletes work out there. Who was, like, the biggest name there? Who was, like, the biggest star there? You know? um, Xander Bogarts was there for about a month and a half before he went back home for the holidays. Um, Edwin Jackson's there. Uh, Chris Young, outfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, G-Man Choi was, was there for a while. Um, yeah, he's been... He's been getting after it there. Oh, yeah? Um, and then, uh, you know, a bunch of minor leaguers. There's a ton of NFL Combine guys, Olympians. I mean, they have an adult group as well that's there getting after it every day. It's just everybody there, um, you know, wants to, to better themselves. And it's a, it's a really good atmosphere to be in because if you have a day where you just don't feel like getting after it, you look around and everybody else is doing it. It's like, all right, I know all these people <laughs> don't feel like doing it, so I got to, you know, get my butt up and then get in there. And that was in the Phoenix area, right? So you're able yep. to still have a little bit of some downtime as well. Yeah, it was North Phoenix. Yeah. When you talk about uh, the second half last year, and I, I think it's natural coming off what you were to wear down over the course of a, of a major league season, how much did that affect you uh, defensively as well as, uh, obviously, you get, you know, you're playing every day, so um, did, did you feel the, the, the mobility start to, to limit, or were you just fighting through it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when I think of third base defense, I think hip mobility is a huge, huge thing. And uh, I think that honestly was lacking all season. Um, but, you know, the second half, the leg strength is really where I kind of lost everything. I lost the power. I didn't really sure. feel like I could steal a base after that. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but, um, you know, that that was something that looking back on the year that I had, it was, okay, what, what can I improve? And, and for me, that was a, a big, big spot was strength and, um, you know, the ability to stay on the field every day. Uh, so that was 
again, that was my goal. I kind of narrowed down a few places where I, I thought, you know, I could get a really good uh, experience with that. And um, Exodus is what I ended up. How exciting of a season. I mean, there, the, 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 Mark knows this. The season took on several different. It wasn't the same team you started with that you that you finished with, obviously. But to win 90 games and to do it after such a slow start, what, what was what did it mean for this ball club to accomplish that? I know you fell short of the playoffs, but that was just by a few games. You know, that's after looking after the start, and, and if you would have told me that we were going to win 90 games, I mean, that's winning 90 games is hard without a slow start. Um, I've told a few people that I've been on a World Series champion that didn't win 90 games. It takes a lot of things going your way to win 90 games. You have to have good team chemistry. you got to not hit many uh, losing streaks, and, and we did hit a few, quite a few Couple, early on, yeah. um, and we were able to kind of pull ourselves out of those with some long winning streaks. Yeah, winning streaks. So, uh, and then, you know, once our, our team really came together the second half, it was we truly felt like we could beat anybody. Um, and I think because of that, we're all super excited about this season. Um, you know, going forward, it's just going to be about, it sounds so cliche, but worrying about what we can control, not worrying about trying to win seven out of ten games or not trying to worry about winning 90 or 95 games. It's just win the game today. What do we have to do to win today? Um, and keep it as simple as possible on what we focus on and not put too much pressure on ourselves to um, kind of live up to last year because that can really happen, especially for a young team. I know uh, I, I sometimes cast you as like the veteran guy in the clubhouse, and you're not all that <laughs> old, but you, you have been on other teams, and you know, you've been in other organizations, successful ones. You got to play with some of these young guys coming up, and, and I'm just curious you know, your impressions, you know, just briefly, but like Willie Adamas playing next to him. What did you see from Willie, and, and what do you see for him? So Willie struggled a little bit early on. Um, you know, that's not unusual uh, at all, and uh, he handled it so well. He stayed so positive. I mean, everybody saw the jumping around out in front of the, the dugout and stuff and the thing for me and all that stayed consistent whether he was 0 for 4 or 4 for 4 he was always having fun i think that's part of the reason why he pulled out of it so quickly but um you know we were out early one day and, and hitting off the machine for him trying to figure out what was going on and i think he swung and missed at like six or seven straight and most people would would quit and be like you know this isn't for me i'm not i'm not good at this and a lot of a lot of young kids especially are afraid to look stupid and he wasn't afraid he made the adjustment and kept hitting off the machine kept hitting off the machine eventually fouled one off and you know this is a major league player our top prospect that is having trouble off the machine and for him to have the maturity to be like okay i look stupid but how do i fix it um you know he's he's very mature beyond his years and um you know the goofiness and the fun might overshadow that sometimes but um nobody should uh lose sight of the fact that he's also very mature and, right. um you know that that for me was something that that i saw that i was the most impressed with because it's not easy when you come up and get humbled immediately after being very hyped to to be able to take a step back and be like all right things aren't going my way but how do i improve how do i keep a level head and, and he was able to do all that which is something that usually you don't see until a guy has three or four years Right, because I think sometimes we all lose sight of this. Is a lot of guys, you know, they're always the best player on their team, and sometimes until they get to the big leagues, and then they're not the best player on their team anymore, and that does take a mental adjustment. So yeah, and and a lot of security too. I mean, he, you know, it it's very easy to for somebody who's even the littlest amount of insecurity in them um, to take that failure and and let it take them over, you know, and just completely lose confidence. Um, I mean, there's countless guys who it's happened to, big prospects over decades, you know. So um, 
for him to write that ship and and to realize that two weeks of not hitting is is okay like right. it doesn't define right. Right. you as a player or, or your career um you know that's that's very very mature and that that experience going through that is going to help him throughout his career you were a guy that uh at, at one point tend to overthink things a little bit at the plate too, right? Where you, you had to get back to relaxing and, and trusting your, your swing. And, and, and that happened last year with the first half where you were as hot as, as you could be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my career trajectory, I guess, kind of, I started out hot and then, you know, had that. Injuries. Yeah. Had, had about three, four months before the injuries that I really struggled. And it was just a mental spiral downhill of, you know, what's going on, why, why am I not succeeding? And you start, you go into the cage and you try to fix everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you think you fix something and you go out, it doesn't work immediately. You run right back to the cage to try to fix something else. And it's just, and then at the same time, the guy's throwing 95 with sink or change up slider, you know, they're, they're trying to get you out. So yeah. um, you just got to understand that things aren't always going to go your way and um, stay even, smooth, sure. um, and just have kind of a base things mechanically that you do with your swing so that, your mind can then just stay at ease, like, hey, I'm balanced, I'm calm, I'm swinging at strikes, I'm going to be okay. Do you uh, enjoy being a little bit of the veteran guy? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I've never really been like a rah-rah type of person, I guess, when I think of, I don't know, a leadership role. And I feel like the best leaders that I've had have always been the guys that are just that'll just pull you to the side and be like, hey, let's go let's go take some ground balls early or let's go, you know, let's go hit or let's, I want you to go look at something with me and, you know, not really be an outwardly leader, but I guess. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an opportunity to, um, to help another group of guys. Cause, I mean, you know, we're all going to be out of this game eventually and, and our role really is, you know, we're, we're doing on a daily basis it's doing what we can to help the team win and at the same time it's ushering the next group of guys and making sure that we set good examples for them because um, they're going to be representing the game once we're gone and um, you know I think that's for me anyway that's what a, what a leader is and hopefully that I can be I guess yeah I, I think talking to you know Kevin Cash or some of the coaches they, they kind of see you doing that now and you know guys say it happens quick yeah we used to, I used to be the young guy and now suddenly people are asking me stuff, and, and it turns around like yeah, that. But, yeah, this is a team with so many young players. I know you brought some veterans in, Morton and Zanino and Avisail Garcia. But, you know, you're a guy who's been here for a couple of years, so I think it's kind of natural to think, you know, that that role would, would kind of gravitate or you kind of gravitate toward that role. Yeah, I think, you know, experience. And, uh, again, we do have a lot of young guys. But, um, you know, we just have a lot of good baseball players. We have, mm-hmm. we have guys who get it on the field, and they want to learn about – everything nobody really feels like they've got it figured out and i think because of that we're all kind of growing together and learning together and again i'm not exactly old but i'm one of the older guys in the group so i still feel like i have stuff that i need to learn and i think if you ever feel like you got something figured out that's when the game is going to humble you that's when life is going to humble you really um if you're always trying to learn and you know there's things that i can learn like like i just mentioned with willie the way he handled his first few weeks up here it's um you know that's something that everybody can learn from that whether it's baseball or anything, really. Um, so I think if you look at it like that, we're all growing together, we're all learning together, then, um, you know, you don't really need a, a one or two leader guy, but everybody kind of holds each other accountable and, and continues to learn and grow together. 
You mentioned expectations. I mean, when you win 90 games, not that you guys were ever under the radar in the American League East, but you still have some, some giants in this division. So is now is it about, like you said, everybody just being then process-oriented and not, not looking too far ahead or behind as far as you know the day-to-day -day goes? Yeah, I think so. And in order to do that, we can't really buy into our own hype, I guess. Uh, we got to continue to work hard and continue to try to improve um, because, like you said, as good as we were last year, there were still two teams in our two teams out of five in our division that were better than us um in order to make the postseason we got to figure out how to handle those teams um i think the good thing the second half is is we handled them pretty well on a at least head-to-head -head, you know um so we believe that we can beat anybody uh i think we open up with houston so we're going to get tested right off the bat but again as you saw last year you know that's not going to make our season so um you know I, I think we have a lot of confidence uh, we have a lot of, of team athleticism, and all those things are going to go a long way um, throughout the season. Um, again, yeah, just focusing on the day-to-day -day stuff and not getting keep, – keeping an eye on the big picture, but not getting so into it that we're worried about winning 100 games every day because right. you don't win 100 games by thinking about winning 100 games. You just win today and worry about that tomorrow. They, they tend to add up after a while for sure. Exactly. Okay, so it's all over. I stand corrected. Andre Vasilevsky is not the goaltender I thought he was. Did not get his third straight shutout. I forget the Stanley Cup. It's over. <laughs> he gives up a goal late. Five to one. The Lightning beat Columbus, as uh, you're probably well aware of by now. Just another great win for them. So they got a back-to-back. -back. They will be at Philadelphia tonight. Yeah, he couldn't even go 184 minutes without giving out up a goal. It was 183 minutes and 53 seconds. Think about it. Nikita Kucherov Which is scary because it's actually 56 seconds shy of his career best. He's done better than this before. Yeah, it's it's sick. The way he's playing is just sick. And the goals against goes down and his average. And I don't know, man. They were the best team in hockey right now. And Braden Point with a couple of goals as well. He's got 35 now. Stamkos with a power play goal, his 33rd of the season. Uh, Sergachev had two assists. So pretty good night. 39 saves for Andre Vasilevsky on 40 shots. Not bad if uh, if you're into that sort of thing. So. We'll have the Lightning. We'll have uh, more talk, more race talk, of course, as they uh, make their way through spring training on their way to the uh, opening game on Friday. And remember, folks, uh, I know you got a choice of air conditioning places. I mean, this is Florida, and uh, I want to tell you guys, you'd be really well served to trust the people at Millionaire. It's 30 years. Howard and Sue Million have been uh, doing this in the Tampa Bay area, making thousands of people millionaires. Call them. Uh, right now, you get uh, currently 0% interest for 72 months of qualifying equipment, and they have brand-new train air conditioning uh, units, or you can schedule service or maintenance at 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.